position. Affirmative. Negative. I am the milkman. My milk is delicious. Roger that. Okay, let's go. Welcome to the Best Linux Games Podcast. Go, go, go! The best Linux games, the best games available for the uh, GNU slash Linux operating system via the mechanism and distribution network known as Steam, brought to you by Valve. After 700,000 years, the Steam has come to Linux, and beyond that, it has come to Linux in the form of the egalitarian Linux-like platform, Steam, an open marketplace in which... That's right, ladies and gentlemen, it's Saturday, and that means it's time for one thing. It's time for the podcast where the quality goes in before the name goes on. You're listening to the Best Linux Games Podcast, a companion piece to the uh, Steam group of the same name. Find us on Steam, you know, uh, join us on Steam, and friend me on Steam. My name is Scooky Sprite. I am your host. In case this is your first time here, uh, the ground rules for everything that we do are very simple. We have news. We have the latest titles that we are interested in. Of course, features, you know, like kind of in-depth looks or reviews. And then we have, of course, everyone's favorite the deals! Uh, the best games that you can buy for as cheap as possible. If you join us on the group, our recommendations are curated with the sole criteria of... It must run on Linux, and it must be really good. These are recommendations only, of course. Uh, not complete reviews, which generally will follow, um, especially once they get some other mofos on this show. And as always, the content that awaits you ahead may not be appropriate for members of all species, races, genders, classes, creeds, and especially might not be age or work appropriate. So, it begins. Let's get the Linux gaming on, bitches! Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Ah, hello! Welcome to episode 100 and... What are we up to, Ivor? 116 of the Best Linux Games Podcast. Ivor Molina, crack engineer Ivor Molina over there in the booth says hi. I'm Scoogie's... Oh, what, what's that, Ivor? Oh, we... Ivor says he has a special introduction. We have a special episode for you. Uh, but he has a special clip that he... he, he go ahead, you can roll it. You can roll it while, while I write out your pink slip. Go ahead. Uh, it's, uh, I'm... I'm anxious to... I, I was not aware. It's not on the rundown. Oh, I know what this is. By the dust of the mall. It's long. Listen on. This is the truth of it. Fighting leads to killing. And killing gets to warring. And that was damn near the death of us all. Look at us now. Busted up and everyone talking about hard rain. 
But we've learned by the dust of them all, barter towns learn. Fucking AI war. Now when men get to fighting, it happens here. Yeah. And it finishes here. Two men enter, one man leaves. Two men enter. Say it with me, Ivor. Two men enter, one man leaves. Two men enter, one man leaves. Two men enter, one man leaves. Cheers, Ivor. Good pick. And right now, I've got two men. Two men with a gut full of fear. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dying times here. <laughs> Indeed, awesome, awesome. Glad thank you. Ivor, for once you did your job, Ivor saved that. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dying times here. For our 116th episode, not that this is a running thing, uh, we thought we would do a very special feature that um, encapsulates, in a thematic way, three of uh, the games that I've been playing the most of, bring you three reviews of them, all themed around... It's time to die. Yes, three. Count them, three. Die, 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 die. That's more than three, but it's going to feel a lot more than that. Platformers that will absolutely, I guarantee you, leave you delighted and probably delighted and furious, even as you're covered in your own blood and entrails, and you will still be impatient, and you will still be furious for the next life to finally begin again to give you your next shot at them. Um, we will have three reviews this week. We'll try to keep them short capsule reviews. These are really good games, though. Um, and they are fantastically what would you call it? Not visceral. Although there is viscera. They are very um, they're anatomical, they're educational, they're blastitudinal, they're violentastical, they are um we we are we are talking a bloodbath of epic proportions. And, you know, and I don't care if it's the player or if it's the opposition, just as long as more sweet, 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 sweet death to sate my bloodlust. That is the only criteria. So to that end, um we we have a an abbreviated new and noteworthy, we just have three quick mentions that I want to throw onto the show, just so that they're like kind of on the permanent record of Linux game history. None of them are incredibly important, but um, so it's, it's not a full new and noteworthy segment, um, but I do want to mention them, and then we'll have our three reviews, our feature, our Time to Die episode. Uh, by the way, this is being good call, Ivor. Ivor, you caught me. Mm, Ivor threw me off with the uh, with the excellent there's some there's some good forward thinking there with that with that uh, intro I had not not thought of uh, throwing that in 
This is being recorded for you, my friends and neighbors, all of whom are soon to perish, along with me in a glorious explosion of volcano of violence and blood and screams. Oh, 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 yes, yes, yes. Oh, nothing turns me on like two-dimensional, absolute, abject, fucking slaughter. We're going to have such fun. Just to remind you all, this is being recorded for you on (laughs) this magnificent Saturday morning. Uh, Shitty, gloomy, fucked up, depressing, cold, weird. Remember, it's not global warming. It's just weather. Um, Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. And since when did we roll back to pre-enlightenment society? Anyway, um, being recorded for you on this Saturday, the 14th of January, 2017, at uh, 4.34 a.m. Pacific, Pacific Coast time, which is also known as kill, 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 die, die, die o'clock. Um, that would make it uh, 2017.01.14. Um, yeah, there we go. So, uh, I've, uh, can you hit him with the new and noteworthy? I know we haven't had to use the bumper in so long. Yeah, I know. Yeah, not since I fired you last. By the way, you're fired again. Uh, yeah. I was a North American fall when worm in my former life. Here are the newest and most noteworthy titles from this week. Yes, Ivor, don't cry. Don't cry. I know. I, I, I did not want to have to fire Ivor this week, but we have to put our personal feelings aside and get down to business here. You know, this is a business. Life is a business. And we can't have any room for weakness or failed engineers that cling to us like the rotting carcasses that they are. They're needy orphaned hands clawing into our eye sockets in our dreams. Yes. So Ivor, you're fired. Pack it up. So, okay, so our new and noteworthy this week, like I said, just three quick mentions of three titles. Um, one is called Rec Punk. R-E-C-K-P-U-N-K. Rec Punk. Um, and I, I could not do this week's episode of the show without mentioning Rec Punk because it's free, first of all. Two, it's not that great of a game. I only played it for like three minutes or whatever but it does actually combine several of my most hated game genres into kind of one game that should you would think that you know you take three things that you really really hate a lot let's say you hate each of them on a scale of 10 you hate each one of these three things get a nine you would think that if you put them all together into one thing that you get like an 18, a 27, maybe a 9, maybe 999, maybe 99, or maybe 9, maybe 0.9. Um, but no. And I don't know if I like this game or if it's very good, but it is free. So it will cost you nothing beyond your your own investment in time to determine if you like um Rec Punk, which is I, I know, it's it's three different types of games that I swore to God we would never have on the show, but I never said that we would not have a game on the show that was all three of those types of games in one game, and it's actually more enjoyable than I 
could have possibly predicted. It's I'm not, can you tell that I'm having a hard time bringing myself to say the actual types of games? Is it two-dimensional side-scrolling retro style um, pixel you know, bad raster graphics from like 89, 88 like Moon Patrol style um, demi-platformer alright, fine, I'm just gonna say it. You're right, Ivor. You're right. It's it builds itself openly as a speedrunner, uh, for an infinite runner. I know. And a puzzle game. But it has this interesting conceit. The um, character in the levels, um, he moves at a constant rate, that, and not necessarily at a constant rate, but he moves independently of you from left to right. Um, you can only control the environment around him. I spent three minutes with it before turning it off, but it's free, and I could see how it could be addictive for some people who are not openly, uh, physically, violently revolted by um, those genres, and or maybe who are just looking for a type of game like this that's free. It, it seems like it could be a very addictive game. Um, you did not hear that from me, and it's free. So how am I not going to put that in the new and noteworthy? Um, up next, really fast... A game came out, I think this was two weeks ago that it came out, so I've given it plenty of time. I got it, uh, I think the day it came out. Uh, shit. It's not in my notes. Might have been last week, might have been two weeks ago. Um, it is called, and I've been waiting for it for a while too, it was on my um, follow or um, watch list or wish list or whatever in, in my Steam client. It's called Heavy Gear Assault. And that's heavy gear. Heavy gear? Heavy gear. Remember, you're part of philanthropy now. Heavy gear? Heavy gear. Heavy gear assault. Which in my notes, for our new noteworthy, it says heavy gear assault. And then in big fucking red letters, it says socks. Here's the problem. I don't know if heavy gear assault sucks, but it is a mech game. So every time there's a new mech game, I, ha- I you know, it gets me all excited because we have, in my humble opinion, we have yet to surpass, we have yet to create a game that was as good as, to say nothing of our total inadequacy to surpass a mech game uh, the caliber of Mech Warrior 2. I can't remember if there was a Mech Warrior 3. If there was, I have a vague memory that there may have been. But anyway, Mech Warrior 2 fantastic mech game, only been 25 years and like (coughs) 17 maybe 20 generations of different types of computing hardware and whole fucking internet got invented in between MechWarrior 2, we still have not been able to, anyway, so every new mech game especially every new mech game that comes out for Linux 2, which is like whoa, it awakens my my long shattered hopes that maybe one day we can finally pull together and as a species you know, develop and publish a game that with giant fucking mechanized robots with complex far-flung futuristic weapon systems, physics um and uh you know, um engineering and design considerations along with tactical considerations along with um, a diverse 
uh, assortment of panop of uh, a divorce a, di- a diverse assortment of panoply no a diverse assortment of opposition tactical situations um, and uh, mission success conditions. And so I bought it, and it's an expensive game. It's like 30 bucks, I think. Um, you'll notice that I haven't leapt immediately to tell you how much it is, because it's so far down on my fucking library list of my recent games. Why? And this is why I'm warning you about this game. It, it looks like it has potential. I have not been able to play it. This includes after registering, after buying the game and registering on their uh, whatever, on their in-game whatever not Steam, you know, fucking marketeering, please hack us and take these people's passwords and emails away from us um, list, whatever. No, you know, they're non-Steam, their own in-house. Whatever. And they, sometimes there are reasons for having that. They're never very great reasons for doing that. You know, forcing me to buy a game at, in, inside of Steam and then forcing me to register outside of Steam to play the game with a game with a username and password that's you know, um, verified by your client or whatever and ostensibly stored on your servers or whatever it's not a good thing no one and it doesn't just even forgetting the security aspects of it it's just a huge fucking pain in the ass and heavy gear assault a game that i have not played at all although i have tried i had not tried today though tried um i don't have it in my notes but last time i tried it was like four or five days ago um it was the third day i want to say after i had registered and everything, and been verified, and got my confirmation email, and done the whole little voodoo wiki wacky uh, dance that you should do when sign that you should have to do when signing up for oh say Coinbase, PayPal, or anything really you know any major service in your life that includes um, your subscriptions to pornographic websites and and etc. And the American way, but it is not something that when I am already fucking bought your game through the Steam store, you know, Jesus Christ you're gonna make me set up a separate username this is just not gonna end well well, in this case it not only did not end well, it ended apocalyptically worse than well um I'm not sure if this is exclusive to Linux users, although I did read uh, two complaints from other Linux users last week who were having the exact same issue that I was having um, and no one else seems to really uh, when I looked last week no one else seems to be having it so who knows it appears that you know the authentication some aspect of the way it verifies you know your you, your new username and the email confirmation goes through fine and you enter your password and email and it accepts it and it just will not let you into the game So that's a problem right there. It's still in early access. It's called Heavy Gear Assault. I'm warning you, just in the off chance that you too might share my desperately doomed, hopeful lust for mechanized, giant mechanized robot combat of a, you know, simulation flavor variety, whatever. Even though it doesn't look like it's quite that type of game, but you never know. You can never tell with mech games. I would just really like it to not suck, and what I really like most of all is for it to run. 
Like I said, I didn't try it today. I probably should have tried it before going on podcast, but busy day. It is $39.99. Just avoid it for now. It's still in early access. We'll give it time. We'll revisit it. We will revisit it once it is in better shape. Once it's feeling a little better. Um, Till then, avoid. Even though, I mean, fuck, runs on Linux, basically out of the box, like it released with Linux support. Pretty sure this... Because this was... Yeah, it came out December 29th, 2016. This is like two weeks old. Came out with Linux support and it's got giant mechanized robots. And it looks pretty pretty. And it's multiplayer online, which is kind of a red flag for me, but whatever. Linux mechanized giant robot pretty Linux online multiplayer game. Yeah. I want to wave off as many people right now um, from the disappointment of and then having to register and then finding out that no, it doesn't matter. You register, we don't care. You run the ah, no, you can't. You are not even letting you into the. We're not even letting you into the lobby. <laughs> it, was, it was a new flavor of mechanized, giant mechanized robot warfare game disappointment. Uh, the new flavor of that, which I thought I had tasted all 365,000 different ways for my uh, hopes and dreams to be crushed by my own humble, earnest hopes that maybe one day we can pull together as a species, make a game as good as Mech Warrior 2. And finally, um, oh yeah, no, actually, th- those are the only two. And uh, Rec Punk is, it looks like it's not just free for right now or whatever. Rec Punk looks like it's been designed and released as a free game on Steam. Um, so check it out. Uh, you know, I have a hard time. It has to be really, 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 really bad for me to actively campaign against you checking out a fairly innovative game that is also free regardless of whether or not you're going to like it. So there you go. Go check out Rec Punk, Rec Punk and Avoid Heavy Gear Assault, which Ivor, I believe that brings us to that magic moment. Be so great if we had a chance. You got a chance on Sunday? No, it does not have a chance on Hit him with it. Yeah, double barrel him. Features and reviews. Perfect. Oh, my God. It's Bolivians. Never gonna let you down. I can read your mind. This week's feature. I can't read you. I can't read you. I can read your mind. Take it, Kooky. Bolivians. <laughs> All right. So, yes, Ivor, we're being fastidious and anal. So that bumper denoted the fact that we are into our feature section, which brings us in our feature this week. It's time to die. Which brings us to our first review. In accordance with the laws and regulations regarding the internet within your local jurisdiction, Best Linux Games Podcast now presents you with a dose of clap. Just kidding, motherfuckers. It's review time. Yay, review time! Review time! Alright, so, first off, in our... It's time to die. 
And like I said, my sole criteria for these three games, it, it, well, once I realized that all, all three of these games that I've been meaning to review for like the last two months, more or less, they all deserved a shot on the show. Once I realized that all three of them just involved constant fucking death in every way. The player character, the opposition, people will explode everywhere all the time, including yourself, and you will love it. Um, and they are great games. But once I realized that not only did they have that in common, that that they were all three of them, two-dimensional side-scrolling platformers, more or less. I mean, a platformer now, anything that's two-dimensional is, you know, and has gravity and, and a you know humanoid character is kind of considered a platformer, I guess, these days. But like these are these are three really, really fucking violent, deathful death-filled platformers. And what could be better than getting our, here on American at two, getting our little trip down Graveyard Lane started with a nice subtle, nice subtle title that we all know and love. Butcher. Where the easiest mode is hard. I told you told you when I come out of those goddamn up-tempo numbers, you gotta hit me with a goddamn dog dedication? Fucking potters, man. And where are those pictures I was supposed to see? Ivor Molina, it is time to die. So Butcher is, this is like, I think one of the only times I've ever done this on the show. I'm actually going to play a little bit of Butcher, just so you can hear what the first, I'm not gonna say anything about it. I just want you to hear what the first level... Oh, shit. Hang on. I, I forgot that I'd be in it five times and I'm in that game. Okay, so start game. Warning. Found game in progress. Do you want to start over? Skulls and level browser unlocks will remain unchanged. No, I want to continue. Or, yes, fuck this shit. <laughs> Those are the menu options. Yes, fuck this shit. We will do it on harder. So we are treated to a dirty, nasty pixel trash. Um, super, super bad retro uh, pixel 1990. It's delicious. It's glorious. We're seeing a guy kind of, you can't see the guy, but you can see his little away ship cruising towards some sort of circular space station in the middle of an asteroid field. And there's an exploding planet in the background. And we arrive at the space station, which is serves as our jumping off point for all of the missions to come. Here's what the Ironworks facility sounds like starting now. Oh, he's a surgeon with a shotgun. That was the sound of a jetpack guy with a uh, chainsaw exploding after his fuel exploded and turned him into a Roman fucking candle. So this is 
Um, any, oh, but, uh, oh, I forgot where that was just that room. We're not, I'm gonna play the whole fucking level. They're, the levels are short in general. Do you hear the beautiful music we're making? Can you hear me? Or do I need to turn it up? We're riding up an industrial caliber lift as meat hooks literally sway in the background a la Super Castlevania um, in faux 3D with, on the ends of these giant industrial hooks, with the viscera, literally the guts, the blood, the, the contents of a human exploded via close range shotgun blast hangs disgustingly dripping from it, all in glorious, glorious, small-scale side-scrolling. I'm gonna play one more level, fuck it. Uh, well, you can edit this out, right? Oh, I got killed. Let's hear some of that. Play me some of that music, harmonica. So, Oh, shit, we gotta pause, because I have to ash, otherwise I'm gonna set myself on fire. So, um, whoa, whoa, resume. We're not done yet. So, the great genius of, uh, Butcher is it's basically as close as you can possibly get to reimagining the era of, um, Doom 2 with all the blood, all the carnage, But then taking that same big, explosively violent, literally like graphic, 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 graphically violent, um, blood, guts, carnage, horror, and sadistic level design, and absolute total lack of plot, um, taking that revolutionary title from, you know, 1990, what, three, four, five, and then we kept playing it <laughs> till today. Um, taking that concept, which is a landmark in in uh, 3D in the history of gaming, but specifically in the history of 3D gaming or faux 3D gaming, even um, taking that concept and now that we're in 2017, rolling it back and compressing it into a side-scrolling platformer. Let's let's go talk to these people about uh, how they feel about Butcher. Those were ninjas that exploded. Their heads exploded. Ow, I'm on fire. Alright, now please don't be disturbed. It sounds a lot nicer than it is. Oh my god. So much blood. Come up here. I just want to talk to you. Yeah, do, do, yeah. No, we're lost. Do you have a uh, another shell for my fucking shotgun, Capron? Okay, so one of 
we have reached the exit. All right, cool. So, that's all I have to say about Butcher, more or less. The the things that make it a great game are that, uh, one, it is just a love letter to absolute hardcore video game violence. The type of non, basically non-existent or at least non-prevalent, or even if it was prevalent, not prevalent and gratuitous for no reason other than to be absolutely shocking, horrifyingly violent, that spawned like the video game violence uh, debate um, in the 90s and you know, flipping out about video game violence. Butcher is like those people's worst fucking nightmare, but encapsulated in a really gritty, nasty retro style. It's great. It, it's, it's just, it, it feels like it looks and feels like this big, nasty, angry, gritty, horrible, blood splattery, spraying death trap filled with fucking just absolute. The name of the game is Butcher. And that's not because it's about, um, it's not about devils. Um, so that's one thing that's great about it. The other thing that's great about it is the level design, even though they're, even though the, the game is actually very short. I, I've beaten it, oh God, so many times. Now, because you can beat it in under 45 minutes, you know, maybe under an hour if you just play break through from the beginning on whatever difficulty level, depending on, you know, how drunk you are, which is great. Because um, it's a fun game to just keep replaying. It's a fun game to try to speed run too. And the total fucking horrendous, catastrophic, gratuitous, nasty, hellacious laughter and screams of the developer as he, as you know, he, as he shows you his intricate and meticulous rendering of two-dimensional pixelated gore on a caliber, the likes of which realistically has never been even attempted before because prior to Butcher, the bounce of good taste and uh, lack of uh, widespread access to the internet had curtailed such uh, <laughs> pornographic concepts of violence from reaching a humongous audience. Well, now, my friends and neighbors, you can experience that. So I, I want to share one Butcher memory with you. That is, that, oh, yeah. Two things about Butcher to finish my last aborted point. The level, the, the way the levels are designed, it, they are insidious fucking death traps. They are obviously, like, playing the game is absolutely almost having a one-to-one sit-down with the developer, like you're in his brain, he is watching you and laughing at you, and you know this, and you are watching the level unfold, knowing that he's going to try every cheap, fucking dirty, cliched, and not so cliched, nasty, subtle, vile, evil trick to kill you. Sometimes by overwhelming you with your numbers, other times with ridiculous, meticulously clever death traps, sometimes with, um, with the obvious that will hit you in a surprising way. Um, even multiple times through the game, there, there are several levels that are, are, you know, obviously like my clever little ha ha fuck you gamer. You thought you knew. You thought you were smarter than me, but no, I didn't even knew how to beat the level, but I'm still killing you with this. <laughs> 
So that's that, that's 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 one thing. The other thing that I really want. To... <clears throat> yes, Ivor. Thank you for poisoning me. Um, Ivor, poison my whiskey. I have near moments left. We're only gonna have, we're only gonna spend five more minutes on the other two games. So. In the very, very later levels of Butcher, and like I said, there's not that many. I think there's, oh god, seven areas, each with like five, uh, five maps per area. Maybe, maybe there's only five areas. It's, it's, it's. I've beaten it more times than I can count. I only have ten hours left. But in one of the later levels, as if to showcase. The level design, the way that he spawns in his enemies, and the sheer graphic nature of the violence, and the excellent tight controls and carnage in the face of absolutely overwhelming odds. And this is not that big of a spoiler, because there's not really a story, but I'm not going to tell you the ending. But in, in a very later level, you reach a nightclub, and it's one of the first non-industrial and also non-ruined and also non-natural environments. So it's not like, you know, a uh, uh, iron foundry. It's not a decaying abandoned building. It's not a you know, the mountainous interior of a volcano or the uh, treacherous um, hillsides of and, and waterways of piranha-filled fucking uh, wildcat-infested jungle. This is actually a nightclub. So it's lit up. It's, it's, it's an homage to several different games, but it's lit up in a very nice way, so it looks very normal. All of this is a profound departure from everything else you've seen in the entire game up to this point. And it's very clean. Like I said, it's just multi-level dance floors, etc. And it's very, very clean. By the time you have past this one screen size, four story tall um, nightclub room. It's been 10 minutes later. And by clean, I mean the floors are blue and they're nice looking when you walk in. It's all nicely lit. The game makes just absolute fabulous use of every aspect of both the unique artistic style, which is a depraved, pixelated, retro raster, 1990s, computerized raster feel to it. But combined with some of the more sophisticated techniques of um, actual 3D design and lighting and stuff like that, they're all done in two dimensions, all done in 2D. So by the time 10 minutes after you walk into this giant nightclub area from which you cannot escape until 10 minutes later, requires you to do a lot of killing. Um, I can't remember if it's like 80 or 100 people or if it's only like 50. I want to say it's more like 80. It takes about 5 to 10 minutes. All of the surfaces, all of the floors, maybe even some of the walls, but all of the floors... All, all of these, you know, you can jump, like, immediately through the floor to the ledge above you, stuff like that. All of the floors that were once this pretty, pristine, disco, techno, kind of 
clean, well-lit, um, pale blue. Not only are they entirely red from the blood, guts, brains, entrails, and bodily fluids um, that you have uh, of the unfortunate, well, that are the gloriously delicious byproduct of uh, your mission, which there is not a single line of dialogue in the entire game. But anyway, not only is everything now red, you realize that not only is it red, but it is dripping. And it's not just dripping for effect. You realize in this disco area is now covered in blood. That there's actually like a almost a demi, a faux volume, not volumetric, but a faux volume component. And a faux, um, it's not a, just a bunch of static uh, decals or uh, decal animations. Like a lot of really, really, really fucked up sadistic time went into making a two-dimensional game in which the gore, once you realize that it's dripping from everywhere and that it's covered everything. That's when you can say, I love you, Butcher. Uh, only bad, only problem with the game is it's short. Uh, I can't wait to see what this guy does next. I wrote him asking for an interview. Can't remember his name. He's he's from Poland. Um, but uh, hmm, let's. I got I gotta give a shout out to Butcher. Transhuman Design. They made another game that I played, but it was nothing like Butcher, and I don't remember liking it. 2016 Transhuman Design. Um, fabulous work. If you're looking for, like, basically the most violent, super tight controls, super um, exciting, very fun, very, very difficult, um, sadistic, gore-fest, of a shoot 'em up caliber type of game, the likes of which has not really been made since Doom. Like Shadow Warrior comes close, but even Shadow Warrior isn't just as, you know, grotesquely over the top. Uh, the the recent, uh, well, it wasn't recent, but um, Tim Burton's uh, uh, adaptation of Sweeney Todd. Um, I think it was Dave Mondello's KMPR review or NPR review of uh, of that film when it was out in theatrical release, which is a big favorite of my, both myself and my father, considering that um, he had directed a production of it when I was a little kid. And I anyway, Bob Mondello said of the violence and gore and darkness and horror in Sweeney Todd. It's just something that has stuck with me from a critical perspective ever since. That in every bloody, gory frame of the film, you can hear Tim Burton howling with laughter and glee as the rivers of gore just howling. And I mean, you know, that's that's butcher. Um and it is so much fun to play. It's it's at once retro and future thinking. So okay. Um, we're, we are going to get out of here in under an hour. We only have uh, three deals. They're very quick. So, that is Butcher. Up next, we have a game that uh, the first, I think there was a, a game that preceded this game, but it 
has never come up for Linux, if there is one. There's some sort of, like, web series. Evidently, it's, like, a big, famous, popular thing. Unfortunately, it doesn't have uh, any great voiceovers or dialogue, because it's um, very much in the Super Nintendo uh, late NES slash Super Nintendo um, vein of uh, storytelling. This is a fabulous game. You will die at least a hundred times on easy. This is Angry Video Game Nerd 2. That is, let me use my words. You're right, Ivor. I should have some more whiskey. That'll help with my enunciation. Mmm. Our second review is Angry Video Game Nerd 2 as in I-I colon Assimilation capital A, capital S, capital S Immolation You will be assimilated Lebowski, we believe in nothing So This is my first exposure to any You know, I don't I've never seen whatever web stuff or podcast or other game or feature full-length orthoscopic projected um, pan-dimensional quantum uh, entanglement theory uh, multiple universe uh, fractalographic cascading buttfuck of other offerings in this series or using this character. This is my first exposure to it and I was reticent at first because it's called Angry Video Game Nerd 2 assimilation, and it's like, oh, well, they're just gonna, you know, they're gonna have to be really, really funny for me to not, <clears throat> to, for me to not truly hate every second of this game, starting from second one, and, you know, getting exponentially more infuriated and annoyed um, at each passing second. They're gonna have to be really, really funny to get me to laugh at this, because I am aware, due to group therapy, Ivor and I have been working with a, uh, a counselor, uh, couples counselor. We've made a lot of breakthroughs. We've made a lot of new beginnings. Um, I've been very, very pleased with my track record of so far managing to terminate every single one of those new beginnings by firing his ass before they can blossom into full blown um, emotional tenderness. Um, in spite of, you know, my intense and overpowering just sense of oh my god I'm the coolest thing ever I do have a sense of a, 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 a sense of self-awareness to the point where sadly I've spent my whole life knowing that I am actually the angry video game nerd even before meeting the character even before booting up the game so for this game to not piss me off would be a triumph in my mind because they're making fun of a very small audience that basically, to my mind, is limited exclusively to me. Because I am the psycho video game nerd. I am frequently very angry. Ivor is shaking his head. He's pounding the glass. He's saying, uh, you're right, Ivor. You're right. You're fucking right. You cocksucker! I'm the most even-tempered rational human being ever. So, anyway, 
But I could not resist Angry Video Game Nerd 2 Assimilation, which is the first thing that they've ever done that's available for Linux. I the fir- If there is a first game, I wasn't sure if it's a first game or if it's a um, a little mini movie thing that they're selling on Steam. If it's a game, it's not available for Linux, which sucks. I, I were, remind me to to yell at this guy in like the community hub or whatever to make him put out a Linux compatible version of the first game. Um, but Angry Video Game Nerd Two Assimilation definitely runs on Linux, so I fired it up expecting to be totally pissed off, hoping that I might be not made infuriated or enraged. Um, within the first five minutes, I was basically completely in love with this title. More so, in a weird way, because Okay, so Angry Video Game Nerd 2 Assimilation is... You are the angry video game nerd who is an angry video game nerd. He has a power blaster. He lives in this shitty house. The world ends because of some death ray, some fucking weird cosmic ray thing turns everyone into shitty characters from shitty video games and his whole world turns into a shitty video game and all he does is play shitty video games. And this this nemesis critic, this um counter, you know, this <laughs> equally pathetic, dorky, hilariously furious um, and very accurate depiction of myself, the angry video game nerd, I think I think that's one of the things that helped me to really for it to really win my heart and not piss me off is that I, I felt it was very accurate as he furiously rails against like all of his shit getting taken and the dialogue and everything um, that's told in meticulously scrolling line by line uh, ASCII at the bottom all uh, you know well I guess uh, Goonies 2 didn't have that but you know you know the, the style of NES era video game this game is a parody and a mashup of all of those great um, 8 six, and 16 bit um, side scrolling awful, awful games um, from the NES and the, and the early Super NES era, and it is so smart and so accurate it, you, and really really, really design it has some clever design things that are fun, that are built right into it, that are meta, meta, meta this game is so fucking meta that even though there are many sequences that are designed specifically to just totally piss you off with how badly they are designed he knows that the developer it's like the developer knows that you're smart enough to be in on the joke for him to make this sequence that painfully bad in these specific ways and so it's like he he's treating you like you know like you like you're smart enough to be in on this joke and you are totally in on the joke and you're just like this is fucking brilliant cause like we're on the same wavelength here and fuck you this is awful I can't believe we played games with this exact particular mechanic some, some, some of them are subtler than others some of them are actual like 
um, it's weird, like in jazz, like you know, um, when you're playing a solo uh, and you you throw in in the middle of your solo, um, either uh, actually it's not just in jazz, but you know, classical music too, um, a well either a well known phrase briefly in the middle of you know what is ostensibly you know your solo, um, or uh, from uh, a well known riff from a famous solo from someone else in the middle of your solo, or, you know, just quoting a popular theme, it's called a quotation. A, a musical quotation. Up until, we've been edging closer and closer to where we're, we've been seeing games that um, have come close to having real quotations that um, from, not just from like, you know, a specific not 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 a quote not a quotation in the sense that it's a parody of that game, although there are parodies in Angry Video Game Nerd 2 Assimilation. The quotations in Angry Video Game Nerd 2 Assimilation can be literally visually a gameplay element. Like there's a great um Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles quotation that anyone who suffered through it on the NES will instantly remember. Um but then there are also like uh, folkways, uh, um, folkways and mores, more not mores, folkways and game logic and game design logic that is quotidian of eras that are really actually fun to play sometimes. Sometimes they're intentionally designed to just pissed you off because that's what you did originally and that's what makes it super funny um but it's like this great hilarious um angry drunk if you like this podcast if you like the fact that I say fuck your gun Ivor Molina you cocksucker fuck it I'm gonna find you no offense to our to members of our audience who may be homosexual or otherwise or sexual at all in any way mm, at all times too uh, anyway um, if you like angry, smart fun to play hilarious inside jokes I've never seen real. I mean I, we've seen the jokes about games that were meta design references to previous eras of video games going all the way back to side-scrolling 2D Duke Nukem um Fuck, even before that, uh, you know, I guess there was no text-based adventure game that actually referenced Zork by saying, you're standing in a field, just kidding. But they came close to always referencing Zork, like Xenos and etc. Anyway, every era, but nothing has been this loving and furious and funny and smart and ridiculous and... overall incredibly fun to play surprisingly fun to play considering that vast majorities of vast majority of the game the level design and the actual gameplay elements involved in that level design are specifically not just parodies but like our um what do you call it uh an exaggeration of bad 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 things that we all know so well and have a common vocabulary of gamers you know, if you're of a certain age I know Ivor, yeah 
I'm old as fuck. If you're old as fuck like me, you might not even really be aware which are some of my favorite jokes and I don't want to ruin them for you Um, because they happen in line with the gameplay they're not like cinema sequences you might not even be aware of at first just how deeply embedded the last 36 years of your video gaming history how much a part of its visual and uh, gameplay and design vocabulary its control, its control structures, its weapons, its jump distances, its world maps, its power-ups, elements of its logic, elements of the behaviors of its enemies. You might not be aware just how deeply ingrained after, you know, 30 some odd years of this, they are in your head, and Angry Video Game Nerd 2 Assimilation brings them all out like a um, satirical loving Friar's Roast send-up that doesn't insult either the games themselves, the genres, or the era. I mean, it's brutally, brutally, viciously, hilariously um, uh, mercilessly <laughs> and you know um childishly sometimes to even greater effect the the more childish it gets the funnier it gets in some places but generally overall it's it's um it's like a musical review of uh gameplay mechanics and game design and uh stuff that isn't presented in a retro way i know that anyone I don't, I don't know that anyone who didn't live through these eras, but I can imagine that the vast majority of people, of gamers who are like, you know, in their you know, from if you have parents who let you play this and you're like eight, then you had my parents and they were great parents, but this is, this is a game for adults, by the way, the word fuck is used a thousand times in every sentence in this game, and um, you know, it's nasty, trashy hilarious, adult um, just vulgar, hilarious humor with really, really smart design that makes you. It feels, it feels like, um, it feels like a almost like a musical review, almost like you know, like uh, tomfoolery or whatever. You know, like ah, oh, well, we're gonna do a bunch of bunch of Tom Lehrer's best, you know, things. We're gonna just stream together and we're gonna put them on. We have blah. You know, or the way Spike Jones covers, you know, um, like uh, Cocktails for Two or whatever. You know he doesn't hate that song. You know that he's probably tired of that song. But yeah, he's going to rip that song a new asshole. And you're going to love it. And it's going to be hilarious. And it's going to be nasty, trashy. Um, it's going to seem to... It's going to appeal to uh, one aspect of the audience on a very base level um, in a very vulgar way, which is cool. That's fine vulgarity is very frequently funny but there's going to be other strata you know, in, above, around that of uh, audience members of very sophistication and uh, intimacy with the material that's being parodied where it's actually going to feel like a love fest even though it's just making you want to tear your hair out um, 
and accurately parodying, like really viciously parodying in some cases, and going for the low blows at any possible moment. Um, there are tons of cheap shots for all the moments of of enervated, of enervating, no, of mm-hmm, of really exciting um, sophistry and uh, I, I don't know how to what other word to use, like very, very, very sophisticated inside baseball, totally weird um, tonal even um, jokes and and gameplay design decisions that are really hilarious even though they will piss you off for all the, you know, stupid ones for all the brilliant ones, there are ones that are just so obviously like, you know uh, one of my favorite lines in the entire game and I'm not this, this, this is this is not a spoiler alert, but it's hilarious, was uh, cow a fuck a piece of dog shit it's a cowabunga Cowabunghole, dude. So yes, let it. In the words of the immortal Charles Bukowski, let us comport. I will not rejoin nor have rejoinders with the audience. Let us comport ourselves as individuals of culture. That sounds like you, and you remember the eighties Kodachrome eighties uh, in terms of, uh, especially the NES. Oh my goodness, Angry Video Game Nerd Two Assimilation is. Shockingly fun to play for pissing you off constantly and unspeakably hilarious almost from minute two to the very end. The game gets impossibly difficult. It is a fucking hard game to beat. It's not the longest game in the world. Took me 11 hours to beat it. Um, And I did have to go back. The game at the end of the game on normal got so impossibly hard for me I spent three hours trying to... uh, Not three hours, quite. More like an hour and 45 minutes. Really drunk at that point, trying to beat it. Could not get any further. Had to start a new game on easy difficulty level because it gave me more health. Then I had to beat the whole game over again. And then I could finally, with a lot of work, get through the last two levels. Last two levels, fuck you, angry video game nerd assimilation developer. Those last two levels suck my balls. You fucking sadistic, angry fucking game nerd. I love you. So that, and by the way, every level on normal, you get 20 lives every level. And that's for a reason. And that's how angry, and you will spend so much time dying in this game. It's great. Dying, laughing, feeling nostalgic, but not in a cloying, stupid kind of way. In like a you know, it's it's a very cool game, and there are other games that that have that in no way attempted to um, do what Angry Video Game Nerd Two Assimilation intentionally does here, which is literally like a direct parody of all of these things that we know and love, and hope that you know y- you're not so out of your fucking mind that you have actually have a sense of humor about yourself. But beyond that, you know, also remember these things both fondly and realistically with the same bitter acrimony and hatred for the designers who kept making you die every fucking anyway um like other games that I would say that you might want to check out are um you know you must win the game super win the game the win the game series the first 
Doom and Destiny is like the RPG, the J- Japanese style RPG, eight bit equivalent of Angry Video Game Nerd Two Assimilation. But Angry Video Game Nerd Two Assimilation is really about the parody and the fun of it, whereas even Doom and Destiny, but especially um, you must win the game, super win the game. Those games, yes, they are filled with um, you know quotidian references and uh, nice little callbacks to um, either classic um, design or visual or gameplay decisions made by some of the greatest games of the eight and sixteen bit era, mostly eight bit era, um, especially Kid Icarus and Metroid, um, etc. It doesn't do you super win the game doesn't give you a game that is there to make you laugh it's there to be a fucking unbelievable awesome pantheon of mashups of the best of video gaming in a retro flavored repackaging thing super win the game is great um angry video game nerd to assimilation is hilarious and give it five minutes if you hate the first five minutes return it and just, you know, blah. But if you make it through the first five minutes and find yourself even remotely amused, then give it an hour, and then before you know it, you will have been playing for nine hours, and you're like, I'm gonna fucking beat this thing. I'm gonna beat this in one city, you motherfuckers! This is so funny! You will find yourself constantly taking screenshots and torturing, if you have any friends at all, on any social networks, um, you will find yourself tormenting them with just a constant deluge for those nine hours of completely incomprehensibly hilarious obtuse um, bizarre screenshots and video clips it is it's hilarious and it's fun to play too for the most part there are aspects of the game that are not just intentionally there to piss you off or to highlight you know, this game mechanic right there, there, there's actually a lot of genuinely fun and genuinely very it's, it's doubly hard to be clever and make a game that is well, you know X has really good design that is also fun in a game that is intentionally designed to highlight things that are either not fun or are just bad design or are both it's very difficult to rise to um even in any part of it, I, um, you will find yourself kind of surprised at how clever and enjoyable some of the... You don't enjoy them because they're clever. You enjoy them because they're fun to play. But after you find yourself enjoying a moment like that, it'll inst- you'll instantly analyze it, you know, in the, in the angry video game nerd in the back of your own head will instantly analyze it. What... How did he do that? How did he actually make that that much fun in a game that is so intentionally filled with furious incitements to riot over our favorite well, one of our favorite mediums the video game. So that's Angry Video Game Nerd 2 Assimilation. I give it uh, I got it on I want to say sale Uh, I can't tell right now when I bought this. No, actually, I think I paid full price for it. It is $14.99. It's short for being $14.99 in terms of, like, actual hours, length, and, you know, amount of levels and gameplay. 
but it is one of the shortest games that I'm ever that I that I can think of. You know, in the two and a half years or whatever of uh, Best Links Games podcast, it's one of the shortest video games and one of the only video games to make up for a lack of you know real gameplay with anything other than you know real gameplay because it's one of those things you think you really can't live without in a video video game. It is still a video game. It's not you know some sort of static piece of you know surrealist art or anything. It's it's a real NES era style video game. Um. I would say I have to I have to begrudgingly say fuck you video game nerd to assimilation you are in best Linux games podcast highest highest ranking that we can bestow upon a title it is worth full price at $14.99 like I said if you don't like the first five minutes you're probably not going to like the rest of it just return it you like the first five minutes if you find yourself smirking in spite of yourself you serious dour cocksuckers you oh, I'm sorry no, I meant beloved listeners Erudite, intelligent, beloved, sophisticated, cultured listeners with great personalities and senses of humor and rapier wit and, oh, just, you know, you light up my life. You cocksuckers, you gaggle of fucking fuck that. Um, Just kidding. I love you all. Uh, who have an excellent sense of humor about themselves and about the games that they love. If you find yourself even smirking a little bit during the first five minutes, give it an hour. And if you haven't laughed after an hour, then just fucking return it. And Steam will give you your money back. I, If you've lived through this era of video gaming, I find it very, very, very difficult to imagine that anyone who buys this game based on the criteria I've just described in this recommendation find it very difficult to imagine that any of you old motherfuckers like me are gonna return Angry Video Game Nerd 2 Assimilation. It's only 11 hours long. It's a hard last two hours. But it is hilarious. And it's fun to play. So finally, um, in our Time to Die, three reviews... Our third and final game is a roguelike side-scrolling platformer with a fantastic art style that's somewhere in between the old claymation game, The Neverhood, um, finger-painting finger-painting a universe, a two-dimensional universe designed by um, maybe four or five-year-old children who also happen to be angry, sociopathological serial-killing geniuses populating the game using the medium of finger paint with, uh, you know, the characters from, you know, like the voices in my head. That And this one, these guys like to kill you this way in your sleep. It's a very cartoony, happy, abstract, sad game about death, a manic-depressive whale, and being a spermatozoa that doesn't have a head, needs a skull to get hearts, has no arms, but a choice of many weapons, and uh, can also equip one power-up, giant ball, shark fin, other essential severed heart, other essential utilities that will assist and aid him on his abstract, beautiful, what do you call it, uh, silhouette pantomime procedurally generated roguelike side-scrolling platformer of explodey 
abstract cartoon finger paint violent gore until his head gets knocked off and he returns to being a spermatozoa vulnerable to the world managing the chaos around him as all of his enemies swarm in just a dizzying ballet of all all of a sudden all too rapidly moving um, bits, pieces and perilous perilous surfaces encroaching, wheeling around like uh, Indiana Jones Dance of Death um, and then that's the end of the game because the next time you get touched you die all combined with frenetic super frenetic old school Blastom Fest side-scrolling shooter action with a uniquely designed array of weapons which you unlock of course because it's a roguelike with permadeath but you can find new weapons and once you unlock them they're available for you when you go talk to death in glorious pantomime black and white um and you can ask death to get you stuff from the tree of death and then you get to pick pick your weapons and away you go down down the creepy creepy um cat like mouth of the giant space intestine slash kind of ferret headed um system of tubes that you know keep swallowing you and then out of its greasy intestine hole and into another level of goner G-O-N-N-E-R I've played Goner for 15 hours it gets very difficult the um, what do you call it the way the difficulty ramps up in Goner though it gets brutal after 10 hours and it's actually kind of brutal to begin with so I guess it's the same curve it's just a harsh continuous curve the game likes to punish you with pro, like with does yeah, I would say like 10, 15 it's not even a real number of repetitions of failure because it everything is so dynamic because it's it's one of the first and only truly side-scrolling platformer shooters that I've ever seen that is procedurally generated so all of the levels geography and all the enemy placements are all, you know, random um, the I've only been to three areas each area has like five different um, sub, you know, five different levels that you actually have to fight through. Um, and each area has a unique visual and tactical theme. And this is the great genius of Goner. Like I mentioned before, the weapons that you have, they're basically guns. Um, you start off with like a, a normal, you know, machine gun, shoots little, little bullets in a straight line. Um, big, car- they're actually big cartoony bullets in a straight line. Um, then you can get a shotgun that shoots a big spray of bullets, but has less ammo capacity. At all times, you're the genius of Goner is that it seems like a very, very simple game. Even as you know on an intellectual level that it is not at all a very simple, simple game. Even as you are aware of the amount of like oh, okay, so this is how I learned to play the game. The game doesn't really try to kill you with choke points, although it does do that. There are boss encounters at the end of each area that are very difficult. Even the the bosses, even the first boss encounter, which I've done probably over 30 times now, 
I still die about half of the time, at least once. There is a continue system, but that that depends on what you collect during your run. You have to collect enough um, of these runic icon things uh, to get a second chance at life. Your head holds multiple hearts, but when you get hit, your head gets knocked off along with everything else that you carry. You have to collect it all before getting hit again. If you get hit without a head, you die. One hit, one you're dead. That's the end of the game. Um, if you get hit with a head without any hearts left, you die. That's the end of the game. If you lose your weapon down a bottomless pit, or if you lose your your power up accessory down a bottomless pit, unless you have the fl- unless your beached manic depressive whale girlfriend for whom on whose behalf you are doing all of this in hopes of cheering her up unless she, you know, has felt it wise after you beat the, after you beat the last boss that you beat, to give you full health and the magic of course, black glowing ghost skull, um, that that will chase your items around for you if they fall down bottomless pits then you're not getting them back, which means you have to you know, butt bounce everything, which is fucking impossible the game is very, very difficult but it is also so enjoyable and such a blast fest that, you know, it's not to like, you know, fourth hour that you start to realize just how tactically aware you are and how you are approaching each situation as they're dynamically generated. They have very familiar tactical patterns that are never quite the same, always surprising, always very difficult, always play off the unique not just unique, but essential and very subtle and nuanced and uh, difficult to figure out Some, in some cases uh, aspects of the behaviors and benefits of your accessory, the type of head you're wearing and the type of gun you want to use versus the type of situation you're in inside the actual game. Um, these combine to form a very, very complex uh, strategic overall before you start your run and then tactical as you're going through these just wonderfully fun visually visually exciting it's like a two two dimensional finger paint neverhood side scrolling shooter abstract focusing around death and love press jump to tell someone you love them with these with weapons and items and a visual style that doesn't just have style, but has real personality and actual substance in the in terms of the way those items and weapons translate directly to really radically different gameplay and approaches that you have to take or approaches that are made available to you um, in terms of how you're going to, you know, uh, beat the game because you got to beat the game. I've only beaten, um, I've I've gotten. I think to the fourth, the third or fourth level of the third area, which I'm not going to tell you what it looks like because that's almost a spoiler. Uh, because, and that took me 10 hours to get to. I've unlocked about, um, I've, I, I, I think I have three more weapons to unlock. Um, and I've unlocked. I, th- I think I have four or five more heads to unlock and I have like two or three more accessory items to unlock um, 
And you unlock them as best as I can figure out by getting further than you've been before and finding one of them and picking it up. You have to pick it up. Ammo is a constant concern. When you're going to reload is a constant concern. The behavior of your chosen weapon is a constant concern. What type of accessory you have, which is your power-up, is a constant concern. Also, if you have... Um, also, you know, the type of skull that you pick, super, super huge actual implications for the way you will play the game. Because when you, when you have the tiny little skull, which I think was the second skull I got, it gives you like four or five hearts. You can take a lot of hits, but you have to be very good at being able to pick up everything that you have. There's another skull that gives you a super kind of perk that is not life-related because that skull only has one heart. So that means you can be hit twice before you die. You can be hit once, knocks off the skull, that also takes away the heart, pick up the skull again, get the skull knocked off, uh, you're dead. Um, and the power-ups are great and Im imaginative. Um, I'm not going to tell you what a single one of them does, except for the first one, which is actually my favorite, and I hated it for the first eight hours, but I've now come to rely on it for almost every one of my weapons, depending on how I feel. And you're just going to have a blast blasting your way through this game and dying over and over again in ways that don't feel cheap or frustrating, but with gameplay that feels super um, platformy, exciting, colorful, and with characters who don't say a fucking word, and with a story that makes that's so abstract and so pantomime and so bizarre anime, you really I I can only give you my best guesses at what the game is actually about. All wrapped up in this charming press jump to tell someone you love them, and finally completed with excellent procedural uh, procedurally generated. Um, side-scrolling platforming levels, each area with a different not just visual feel and uh, tactical flavor, but with really progressively difficult tactical challenges and concerns and entirely different enemies, all of whom behave entirely differently. Um, for not having a single line of dialogue other than emoticons, it's a surprisingly engrossing, charming, and brutally violent game where you will kill lots of fearsome red enemies and hug your unhappy, currently unhappy, but always happy to see you, giant whale girlfriend. And you'll know her when you see her. She loves you. And this is all developed by, and I, I gotta give these guys a shout out, once again, the developer Oh, God. I have our store page for this. I don't have the mouse. You have the mouse. Oh, here we go. Thank you. It's developed by a company called Art in Heart. And it's published by a company called Raw Fury. Art in Heart is great. They have this press jump. That's like their universal rule. And uh, underneath the version information on the main title screen... Um, that shows you the build of uh, Goner. That's G-O-N-N-E-R. Underneath, like, you know, build 10X, you know, blah, 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 released, you know, blah. It says in almost difficult to read. 
small print it says press jump to tell someone you love them and for all of the death that we have wrought in this our time to die feature yeah, we got out one hour and 21 minutes thank you for listening um our games this week that we featured that we reviewed by the way goner is um goner came out october 12 2016 so it's still a very new game it is fa- fabulous goner is nine dollars 99 cents like I said, I only have 15 hours in the game and I have not beaten the game but I have played a lot of Goner. I have yet to get truly sick of Goner in any way. I get, I'm get i a little frustrated with um, with the second boss but that's only because I haven't fought him 50 times yet. Once I, After I fought him 50 times, I'm, still, I'm actually pretty good at killing the second boss as it is, having only beaten him like five times. But uh it's epic, and it's super fun. And for all the carnage, somehow it does not stress you out or make you angry. There will be, I've had like probably out of 15 hours and hundreds and hundreds of deaths, I probably only had oh, probably every single one of them make me go, fuck! Anyway, so, just to wrap up our time to die, our first game was Butcher. Butcher, the uh, pixelated, side-scrolling bloodbath of gratuitous carnage, violence, shotgun, assault rifle, two dimensions, many, many victims. Uh, that's Butcher. Uh, then we had the Angry Video Game Nerd 2 Assimilation, Ass-immolation, um, a uh, hilarious side-scrolling and brutally difficult and uh, comically inane and um, comically inane and sophisticatedly lowbrow. <laughs> I don't know. Flip them around. Put them in whatever combination you want. Angry Video Game Nerd 2 Assimilation. Even though I had never been exposed to any of the content in the franchise or the previous game, if there was such a thing, or like the web series or anything like that, I came to know him through this sequel. This sequel is great. I really like him. It will make you laugh and your friends will block your phone number from all the iMessages you're sending them of the screenshots. (laughs) It is hilarious. And pretty fun to play. And then finally, we close it all out with the procedurally procedurally generated surrealist side-scrolling blast-em-fest roguelike Goner, G-O-N-N-E-R and in case you think that like I'm just randomly going crazy in terms of my description of Goner, which is I just realized, kind of like scrolling back in my like what did I just fucking tell them about this game, kind of realizing that like, might sound like might sound like I lost my mind eh Ivor, so I'm gonna read you what Goner has to say for itself Goner is a tough as hell procedurally generated 2D platformer with roguelike elements following the largely misunderstood and altruistic Ick that's I-K-K, I guess that's you on a journey to cheer up his only friend in this world a giant landbound whale named Sally by searching for just the right trinket in the deep and dark places nearby this is it, one of the I'm not sure if I'm prepared to say this completely uh, as a review. I do know that Garner is worth $9.99. I give it our highest award. But Garner is one of those games I know it's only 15 hours and I haven't been in it, but Garner has the potential to be really 
an all-time classic uh you know one of those rare games that combines the great gameplay elements classic gameplay elements excellent design fantastic characters great uh, you know fantastic characters in terms of like you know likable characters good animations great behaviors fun things to do constant action delicious delicious gameplay um action strategy and just just that perfect amount of sad type of a uh, silent movie pantomime that I really love and I, I um whether it's in a silent movie or in you know um my, the my own silent movies that I make with stick figures um or in video game form it's pretty rare to see a game with this kind of unique art style combine all of those other aspects of it as well and then it's even more unique and I can't believe that really up until Goner there's really, that I can think of, there's never been a hardcore shooter, side-scrolling platformer that's been devoted to, you know, humanoids, a la Demi-Contra shooter, side-scrolling shooter, um, that was procedurally generated. And it works so well, and it's a great algorithm. It is very difficult, but you won't feel punished. And so, yeah, my recommendation is buy Goner at $9.99. That's full price. Buy it at full price. I think you will be impressed. It's a charming combination of of excellence and uh, wit and imagination visually and uh, gameplay-wise. So that's Goner, G-O-N-N-E-R. And now, in 30 seconds or less, Ivor... Oh, what's that? Oh, Ivor says we do not have time for the deals music, but I refuse to go another week without having a proper deals section. So, Sans music, here are our deals for this week. First, we have Caves of Quad, Q U D, C A V E S, space of Quad, Q U D, which we are featuring here because we only mentioned this game one other time on the show. I've never had any time to play it. It is one of the most densely fucking ASCII-driven fucking insane role-playing games I've ever seen screenshots for. I've played it for like maybe 20 minutes ever. It blew my mind, my tiny little brain, and everyone who's played it, at least according to the reviews of its Steam page, absolutely love it. So I've been waiting for an excuse to get more Caves of Quad in your face. I don't know if it's Quad or Cud, but Q-U-D. Entirely text-driven Maps made out of ASCII characters. It is fucking deep role-playing, though. Um, inventory character story. Everything but the CRT monitor and, like, the fucking seventh hour fucking eye drool and uh, temporary blindness from uh, all both colors of that uh, delicious delicious cyan pseudo green um, screen that you're facing that's meant to represent grass and then all of the little tiny characters in lowercase you know type in really at first they seem very much like they're red but by the seventh hour it's hard to tell if they're orange, white or if they're twinkling cycling through the entire spectrum Case of Quad is that type of game we support that initiative we support the blinding of all those youngsters out there 
who uh, wish to embark on a journey of discovery and find only blindness, punishment, and complete addiction to an escapist abstract world that somehow, even though it is so punishingly difficult and crazy and complicated, is in many ways more satisfying if only for the fact that in its safe embrace, you know that all it's going to do is punish you, whereas the real world at best only seems to randomly punish you once you think you're doing everything the right way. That's the type of game Caves of Quad is. And then you go blind from the CRT. Uh, so right now through January 16th, all of these deals end January 16th, Caves of Quad is 10% off, a glorious 10% off at $8.99. So like I said, I've been waiting. We only mentioned one other episode, like right when it first came out, that was like almost two years ago. So Caves of Quad, get out there, check it out. If you need this type of game, this is the type of game that you need. Um, then a great side-scrolling platformer that kind of fits in with the with uh, our two-dimensional platformer, but not really the death aspect of it. This is a much gentler, less overtly violent, firearm-free, but nonetheless disturb you know demi-disturbing psychologically, symbolically, in a kind of a childhood fantasy nightmarish kind of way. It's not meant to you know psychologically horrify you, but uh, as an adult playing it. It's got lots of great side-scrolling, platforming action, really, really well-thought-out narrative style um, side-scrolling platformer uh, with fascinating, abstract characters pretty much long before it was fashionable or just shortly before that became de rigueur for the uh, you know independently developed two-dimensional side-scrolling platformer i am talking about nihilumbra n-i-h-i-l-u-m-b-r-a nihilumbra it's a great game everyone who's ever played it loves it i don't know why but my steam store stats say that i've only played it for like one minute or something i've played a lot of time in that game i don't know if maybe i didn't get it through steam originally anyway nihilumbra right now through january 16th is a, a steril at 70% off at $2.39. Um, re- really, 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 really good game. Both from a visual as well as from like a action-oriented pantomime, two-dimensional um, storytelling in a side-scrolling shooter that is not just like the angry video game nerd to assimilation delivered to you overtly in unmissable unskippable lines of fast time let me tell you about the man I knew when I was young um, okay so that's Nihilumbra N-I-H-I-L-U-M-B-R-A 70% off at $2.39 January 16th and uh, finally speaking of you're gonna fucking die it's time to die it's episode 116 time to die our final deal this week is one of the hardest games I've ever bought um, during my tenure of Steam on Linux. So, like, out of, like, almost, you know, two and a half years now, feels like 20, out of, like, two and a half years and, like, 750 games, absolutely one of the hardest side-scrolling platformers with some of the most sadistic and um, mm, deliciously responsive and... Near fine, finely tuned, narrow margin, and just grotesquely sadistic, mean spirited, 
angry at everyone who plays it. That's how difficult it is. It's pissed. If you're thinking about buying it, it's pissed that you think that you can get past level one. It is already angry and you have not even, you don't even know the game. Yeah, that's how fucking hard this game is. In terms of side-scrolling platformers, they bleed pixels. Check out the uh, video that they uploaded. Um, they uploaded a new video for their Steam store page for They Bleed Pixels, which is a combination of a cute boarding school witchcraft little girl demons spikes blood um Lovecraftian satanic devil worship sacrifice blood entrails cute goth little girl witchcraft devil's work spikes blood death 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 and fighting all wrapped up in a fuck you, you fucking cocksuckers caliber, difficult side-scrolling platformer. Um, really good game. Incredibly hard. Well, if that, if you've heard it's fucking incredibly hard and that's kept you away all these years, this is an older game, it's about four years old, I think. They they bleed pixels now through, uh, I think January 16th is 80% off at a dollar and ninety nine cents. Uh, let's go see. Uh, I want to see two things about they be, they bleed pixels before I send you on your merry way to the morgue, motherfucker. After all of this fucking side scrolling, time to die carnage. Um, they bleed pixels came out August 29th, two thousand twelve. It's an independently developed game um, with a very cute, um, you know, uh, like thirteen year old uh, kind of. Um, Wednesday Adams protagonist with giant red demonic claws for hands and um, lots of blood and uh, really if Super Meat Boy if Super Meat Boy instead of the spirit of love that infuses the difficulty of Super Meat Boy if it had been infused with that same kind of love but not the love from those happy, nice developers, but instead from the love of a really, really vicious, sadistic, serial-killing maniac who has tied you up and is now torturing you slowly, psychologically, and through privation of food and, and cutting at you at night and shit and keeping you in this dark little pit and, you know, showing you snuff films, you know, randomly in black and white, and eight millimeter, and wake up! And is, ah! The type of love that guy has for you, translated into gameplay, side-scrolling platformer form, that's the type of love that they bleed pixels has for you. It's, it's a great, deep, and powerful love that either, you know, one or two things will happen, you'll, you will come to understand, respect, and reciprocate that love, even as you come to enjoy how much it hurts you because that's what the developers evidently enjoy is hurting you so you must too also enjoy it or you will play the game for like two hours and your head will explode from just it is mean and it's super fun to play too I mean it's 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 perfect it's really really perfect perfectly tuned great controls um 
you know, decent enough graphics, good visual style though. It's a retro um, 2D platformer, but not intentionally retro. It's not. It's not that fancy in the visual department. The enemies are not not that fancy to look at, but oh boy, it doesn't seem like they have a lot of them. Oh yeah, they have many ways to kill you, and you have even more ways to kill you than they do. And then the pain, the merry-go-round of pain begins, and every time I play this game, I swear to God, just for my own sake of my blood pressure and the fact that I'm getting old, and I'm a big, nasty drunk with a lot of stress in my life, every time I play this game, I swear to myself, I'm not playing They Bleed Pixels ever again because it's going to drive me to a fucking heart attack. And so I press start again immediately. And, you know, another hour goes by. And, uh, yeah, you're going to really like it. They bleed pixels is a steal. 80% off, dollar and 99 cents. Cheers. I will see you next week. I've already just reviewed three video games in, I don't know, kind of a babbly, psychotic way. But wake up. It's time to die. Three games in an hour and a half, hour and 40 minutes. Not bad. Uh, next week we have a bunch of really cool, we have a, a very special episode planned for next week it is kind of a welcome to 2017 what do we still not have um, in the Linux based game world um, and we're talking about game types game specific specific um, hardware specific aspects of interfaces, markets, we're talking about everything that we, because we have so much um, and every year the whole time we've been doing Best Links Games podcast every year we have so much it makes our heads explode because we spent all of our life with Linux having no games at all ever, ever since 1997, game free check out our 100th episode uh, anniversary spectacular celebrating the only two games to ever come out for Linux before uh, Steam that was NetHack and Tux, Tux Racer. Um, but anyway, so we just, you know, rang in the new year and everything. We are, you know, filled to the brim with all this great Linux gaming bounty that we currently enjoy uh, that unless you are our age, you don't know how good you fucking have it, you spoiled, rotten brats. I don't care if you're 30. <laughs> unless, you were, unless you were on Linux in 1997 like we were and have been struggling and explaining to people for over 20 years actually exactly 20 years now no yeah they're really yeah I know but it's really great and it's it's and free and open source software is and yeah but no yeah no no they don't know what a game is they've never had a game look I'll show you a game no we don't have Zork but we got Tux Racer we have NetHack um 20 years of having well the bounty of the last 3 years has been profound Next week, what we're going to look at are the aspects of the things that we don't have yet, quite yet. We might be getting close to, or we can see them on the horizon, or maybe we got a ways to go. Kind of a hopeful thing for 2017. Thought it'd be nice to get at least one episode like that in January. We don't make predictions, you know, end of year predictions and stuff. Um, I want to say one last thing uh, in terms of Linux um, news. Uh, this is not a gaming related thing, but I, I I have to say cheers to Chris Fisher and Alan Jude from TechSnap, Jupiter Broadcasting's um, unbelievable, I think it was the I don't think it was, I know it was the best 
show of its kind, meaning a long form technical without asolistic, system agnostic, but also with um, system agnostic meant it started basically with Linux or BSD first and then went to Windows. So like, you know, they never covered a story that, you know, they never covered a story in any way that wasn't completely technically accurate, never omitted a story based on operating system, never shied away from technical analysis of really the nitty gritty details, no matter how obscure, complex, even to, you know, the experts in that make that made up the bulk of their audience, um, or even to the hosts themselves, who, you know, they're two no, there are no two finer technical minds in, um, in broadcasting than Chris Fisher, uh, and in terms of system, systems administrator, you know, across the board, across bunches of different types of systems in small business, all different sorts of contexts and situations, and with years of experience, um, that was Chris Fisher, and then in terms of, ne- there's never been a more articulate, more personable, uh, more accurate, just fucking profoundly fastidious, um, incredibly fun and super nice, uh, absolute non-dick to ever talk about any topic involving network engineering, network security, network design, um, or really just management and deployment of information systems from a really, you know, and the, the, the real, a real competent, hardcore, and, um, What's the word? Not just personable, not just personable and accurate, but uh, great communicators. Alan Jude and uh, Chris Fisher, TechSnap, that's Jupiter Broadcasting's technic, uh, uh, system, system Network Administration Podcast, which I've been a fan of for just about a year after it began. They are passing, the two finer hosts breaking down more complicated issues of greater technical complication in a way that everyone could understand was friendly was technically accurate and uh, week after week some of the finest journalism in the entire tech world, Linux or no um uh, Alan Jude and uh, Chris Fisher uh, for six years, cheers! Thank you for six years of TechSnap. Uh, thousands and thousands of people aren't just profoundly grateful for all of the actual, real help and assistance, just from the letters section. But people like me, intermediate, you know, long time. But, you know, I'm not a network engineer, but I've set up networks and I've run Linux a long time. TechSnap, one episode of TechSnap, I don't care. If you know how to run Linux a little bit, one episode of TechSnap, even going back to, you know, five years ago, one episode of TechSnap will up your game a thousandfold. You can go back and watch any episode um, and you will find for every 30 seconds of 
content in an episode of TechSnap, you can rewind it literally 20, 30 times. You can watch the episodes over and over again, but really the the advice expertise and um, the intelligence that they brought to covering the news um, not just security breach caliber news, although they distinguish themselves as the finest source for real analysis of that sort of stuff by combining um, the expertise and um, and you know the real actual hardcore facts and the even uh, the the um, expert analysis of you know guys like Bruce Schneier who you know bow down before him uh, Krebs stuff like that combining their expert analysis with the actual hardcore facts and then walking you through a combination of both along with what has been reported how it's getting twisted what does it really mean what aren't we hearing um, and not just you know uh, regurgitating um, a bunch of headlines like so many podcasts do and continue to do in so many different areas but really really giving Linux users in particular fuck those BSD guys, they're assholes no, I'm just kidding your technical user across broad range of platforms and degrees of expertise, you know um Thank you so much for giving us six years where every week uh, we got to meet with not only people who understood the who understood and spoke the same language that we were that we speak, but were super nice guys and great communicators. And uh, they they established, to my mind, a new high watermark, not just for technical broadcasting across the board, but for really decorum, hilarity, accuracy, take no shit, give real analysis, and, uh, and uh, they, for my money, they were the gold, Alan Jude was the gold standard for um, newsworthy, legitimately, technically accurate, insightful, understandable, comprehensive, sometimes insanely so, to the point where like your head is about to explode because you can't believe the sentence that you just heard and you're like I actually understood that sentence but there are like 27 syllables in that sentence and three words um anyway super huge contribution not just to you know the internet but to journalism and to broadcasting and I wish the new hosts all the luck in the world and stuff but uh yeah Tech snap. I mean, it broke my heart when I when I saw on Twitter that Chris Chris tweeted that it was his last show. I I tweeted him back. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? I go away for seven months. I took a seven month break from Jupiter Broadcasting. And Tech Snap is not Jupiter Broadcasting's only show. They're also famous for the Linux Action Show. But Tech Snap, wow, what an what an unbelievable resource just for the letters section even to be able to draw on friendly, unbelievably technically uh, knowledgeable um, experts who not only weren't assholes but weren't charging you you know, $500 an hour uh, for the consulting fee and beyond that 
are genu- genuinely interested in um in helping people and and not being assholes and and just in doing that just in having that voice for me in terms of my life growing up you know without knowing anyone up until only the last six or seven years of my adult life knowing anyone who even ran Linux in my life because I grew up in Vegas and Vegas was a small town um really tech snap super huge part of my week part of my not just part of my week I mean really thank you guys and go and you know check out be sure to check out Chris Fisher Linux Action Show Jupiter Broadcasting and they they do a lot of fabulous programming Chris Fisher is a fucking genius and you know it's one thing to say that someone's an ev- a free and open source software evangelist or someone who is a passionate advocate for free and open source software or is you know uh, as technically literate as he is erudite as he is um, personable and uh, uh, fun to watch and funny and and stuff like that. It's one thing to say those things. It's another thing entirely to to um, to have someone putting out tons of content for so many years that doesn't just say, hey, be nice. You know, like, try to be respectful in your forum post. Doesn't just say, you know, don't be a asshole or whatever. Doesn't just say that. It doesn't say that. It actually does it. That's what these guys do at Jupiter Broadcasting. That is, and it's not a fake thing. It's not a voice they project. It is their voice. And it's the way and it's, you know, blah, and then um, by the same token, the other edge of that sword is they are insanely technically literate. They're ex- the wealth of expertise just between Chris Fisher and Alan Jude. I mean, just, I mean, Alan Jude has never been wrong about anything. Check out my Twitter feed at Vegas Writer. Um, look back in my pictures to Christmas from two years ago. I did a you can see a picture of Alan Jude and the price that he pays for never ever being wrong about anything. It is hard. And they're wonderful people and great communicators and um, yeah. To me, it's really the end of an era. TechSnap. Five years. Wow. So, if you've never seen them, go check it out. And they have the the archive and stuff. All almost all all of the security breach breakdowns the major security breach breakdowns like you know like um from lolsec uh, anonymous um through the target breach uh the adobe um all the many adobe major <laughs> breaches um are absolutely fabulous uh and you know they follow a story until they until there's really nothing left to know um the target hack in particular, the, you know, three or four episodes where they kept giving, okay, fine, if it's going to take 45 minutes to break down this news story, they'll end to break it down correctly so that everyone understands what the fuck and not like, um, and everyone understands as in like, your mom is probably not going to ever understand 
any 20 second span of tech snap. But if you run a computer or have ever run Linux, you're going to understand at least 80% of tech snap. And the 20% that you don't understand is going to give you huge chunks of things to think about and, and look up and I mean you'll you'll understand it in a conceptual level, but you'll be oh wow, you know what? I I've never heard of uh, you know this exploit or of uh or of this technique. Um you know, oh I never I never knew I could use this for that or that this hardware, you know, is best deployed this way and not the way that I've been doing it for forever, or that this is on that model server is you know the best fan that you can get you know and here's the math on that you know for shit like that anyway so go check them out if you want you can go to sethflynnbarkin.com um, or google Seth Barkin tech snap and a link will come up to my, my website which is not really a website sethflynnbarkin.com and that has my favorite YouTube clip from tech snap ever um, and it's queued right up maybe we'll add that as our video of the week so cheers thanks for listening I will see you next week yeah sorry to stop the episode on such a depressing note thank you so much Alan Jude and Chris Fisher I really can't the whole community I don't just mean community is like a small cluster of the tens of thousands of fans of Jupiter Broadcasting and all of the shows that they've produced over the years I'm talking about the entire Linux community meaning anyone who runs Linux or works in free and open source on any level owes Chris Fisher and Alan Jude at the very least a hearty thank you for six years of some of the most effective, not just advocacy but Just not, not only not being an asshole, but being technically accurate, personable, comfortable in their expertise, willing to explain things, willing to take questions from, even though they are dark Jedis, they, they're willing to answer stupider questions and willing to answer them thoroughly. So yeah, let's hope that the entire um technical ideosphere, ecosphere, forum sphere, documentation sphere, um, project sphere, and just the entire free and open source, glorious, sweet, sweet freedom world of free and open source uh, software. They don't need to take a page out of those guys' books because they, by osmosis and them being out there every week and doing it the right way, you know, we've already absorbed. I, I think we all owe them if you work in in IT, free and open source or Linux, it's difficult to, to say that you don't at least owe them a profound debt of gratitude. I'm, you know, for community service. Six years. All right, cheers, guys. Just under two hours. Ivor, get us out of here. The internet is more poor. Internet is for porn. What are you doing? Hey, hey, I think this is porn. Porn, porn, porn. A good idea. Tracky. Oh, hello, kid monster. You are ruining my song. Oh, me sorry. Me no mean to. Well, if you wouldn't mind, please, being quiet for a minute so I can finish. Okie dokie. Good. 
I'm glad we have this new technology. For porn. Don't keep fucking saying that to me! For porn. Oh, sorry. Become your own desktop. For. You can research, browse, and shop. Until you've had enough and you're ready to stop. It is I, E.B. Farm. Internet is for porn. The internet is for porn. A good idea. Hugging me, horn to porn, porn, porn. That's gross. That is a fact. Pervert. I like you. I'll get you a drink. Oh, really? You're a pervert. Normal people don't sit at home and look at porn on the internet. Oh? What? You have no idea. Ready, normal people? Good evening, pricks! Internet is horrible. Sorry, Kate. Internet is horrible. I masturbate. All these guys unzip their flies for porn, porn. The internet is not for porn! Flames, flames, flames on the side of my face. A good idea. Internet is for porn. I hate porn. Grab your dick and double click for porn. Porn, porn. I hate men. Porn, I'm leaving. Porn, I hate the internet. Porn. The internet is for internet is for internet is for porn. Yeah. And wipe your hands. If I see a smudge, I will have you destroyed. There is no Windows version of weaponized chess. is fucking ponderous man ponderous fucking ponderous it only runs on linux it's not a problem you alienated part of america i alienated crazy people i like it very much it is i eb farm you're becoming hysterical i'm here i'm there i'm fucking everywhere i'm the Eggman. The best Linux games podcast is brought to you by Blue Wizard is about to die. Now available for the first time as an ebook on Amazon.com. To subscribe to the podcast using a Linux-based podcatcher like Podracer, or to see our YouTube gameplay videos, please visit www.bestlinuxgames.com. Also, join our Steam community group, Best Linux Games, Friends Cookie Sprite, and follow him on Twitter at VegasWriter. BLGP is also brought to you by the Radio Control Room Project. For details, please visit www.rcrproject.com or rfihc.com. Zig thanks you. For great justice.